0: Amen. Good to see you. All right. You guys are good. Go enjoy. Bless you. I'm too ADD. If you start playing, I'll start listening. I'll forget what I'm talking about. I'm excited to be with you guys tonight. I live in a little place called Philadelphia. You might have heard of us. We gave you the country and cheesesteaks and Rocky. And the Eagles. Come on! If you're a Cowboys fan, well, life's rough for you. Uh, but no, uh, I live in I live in Philadelphia. I'm really really honored to be here. I'm, I'm a little socially awkward, so like bear with me. Um, but I'm, I really am honored to be here. I love this I love this community. I love your pastors. I, lo- I really love this city. I'm Like I really really they got it for real. Oh wow! Praise God, I really 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 love 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 this city, and I really believe in what the Lord is doing here. And I'm just going to breeze through the introduction. Is that cool? Yes, and so, it's so awkward sometimes. But, anyways, um, I work with an amazing organization called GCM, Global Catalytic Ministries. And we plant churches in all the vacation hotspots of the world Iran, Afghanistan, <laughs> Turkey, <laughs> Northern Cyprus, Iraq, Pakistan, Indonesia, India, and Saudi Arabia. So if you're looking for a getaway to go retreat and hear God, we have an incredible time. But no, we, we plant churches in, in the Middle East. And God is doing amazing things right now in the Middle East. In fact, Iran right now is the fastest growing church in the world. Wow. I want you to get this. It is also the number one exporter of terrorism in the world. And it's the fastest growing church. And and the way they they measure that is by percentage. Every year in Iran, the church grows by 20%. Let me give you perspective. America is at negative 20, negative 30. And so our saying is, if freedom and democracy is so good for the gospel, why is the American church in the condition that it's in? The second fastest growing church in the world is in Afghanistan. Just last year, Afghanistan became... The number one most persecuted country in the world. It's number one. Uh, North Korea was number one for almost 18 years. Afghanistan was number two. And last year when the troops were pulled out and the Taliban took over, it is now the number one most persecuted, dangerous country for the gospel in the world. But let me give you a little bit of perspective of what the Lord is doing. In this last year since the Taliban has taken over, we have planted... 500 churches in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan. Under the Taliban. And we have baptized 5,000 people in Afghanistan. Now, we do things a little different there. But we don't do altar calls. We've never done altar calls. And we don't do sinner's prayer. And we don't do evangelism different. We do things very different. We have un- All of our churches are planted by unbelievers. And all of the people are most of the time led to the Lord by other unbelievers. It's a little crazy. Oh, they all end up getting saved. And then they have to make two confessions in order to be baptized. The first one is a basic confession of faith. You believe in Jesus. The second one is you have to publicly confess that you're willing to be martyred. Because if you're not willing to be martyred, we don't believe you've been born again. So we won't baptize you. So when I say 5,000 people have been baptized, you have to understand, in most of these countries, baptism is automatic execution. No judge, no jury. Automatic execution. And you're ostracized from your family. So 5,000 people have given guys, God, is exploding in the Middle East in an unprecedented way. Have you guys seen what's going on in Iran right now? With the protest. Within those protests, we have planted five churches. And there's 50 discovery groups. We expect that by next year, our just, just our organization is just one of many. You know, we're not the only ones. We'll have planted uh, uh, about a thousand churches in about less than 10 years in Iran, guys. Wow. This is in 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 the this country is the number one exporter of terrorism in the world. So the Lord is doing amazing, amazing things, guys. And and, and here's what's amazing: Saudi Arabia, which is the uh, uh, it is the cradle of Sunni Islam. It is where uh, Muhammad in Mecca wrote the Quran. It's where Islam was born. Right now, now it's still small as amount of groups, but Saudi Arabia is about to eclipse every nation in the world. So again, I said Iran is the fastest growing church in the world at twenty percent. We are starting to see in Saudi Arabia sixty percent growth. This is unprecedented. In the birthplace of Islam, it's about to become the fastest growing church in the world. So the Lord is doing amazing, amazing, amazing things. And, and the reason I'm talking about it is because on YouTube, there is a free documentary. Everything we do is free. If it wasn't free, then we wouldn't be the underground church. <laughs> we have a free movie on YouTube that we've never monetized, and it's on there, and you can watch it for free. It's called Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2. And it tells the story of the Iranian awakening. And here's the point I want to make. And I think we have the video, right? Is that, is that what they said there? Here's the thing I want to say. Do you know that most of the movement is led by women? I want you to hear me. In fact, the whole thing started by a woman that was a jihadist Muslim. She would march in the streets of Tehran with an AK-47 yelling, Death to America, death to Israel. And encountered the real living Jesus and a rapidly reproducing movement of church planting began to sweep the Middle East, and so the Lord's doing amazing, amazing things. So, guys, go check out the—it's free. You know, don't watch it with little kids; um, it's a little intense. But get together if you have like a Bible study group. Watch it. Let the Lord provoke your heart to jealousy. Just two minutes. I just want to quickly play the video, and then we'll get into the Word. There you go.
1: So first thing is in Iran we know what country we're serving, we're serving the Islamic Republic of Iran. We know that if they get us the first thing they will do to us as a woman, it's rape us and then they'll beat us and then ultimately they'll kill us. And this is the
0: decision that we have made
1: for our bodies and sacrifices, because I have this thought when I wake up, when I leave that door, I might not come back, and I've talked to my husband, and we made an agreement that this is the decision of our lives, so if we leave that door, we don't come back, we accept the consequences of what happened, this is why there is an awakening inside of you, i Hold it down.
0: amazing does that stir you up guys that's happening in real time right now like that is real so go check it out again it's free on youtube it'll provoke your hearts well father we thank you for the leadership of jesus well we sometimes your leadership we don't understand it but we know that your leadership is good jesus Lord, we know that we are entering one of the most unprecedented hours of human history. Where Jesus, for 2,000 years, you've been at the right hand of the Father in intercession. And Lord, Psalm 110, we know that the day of your power is coming. The day of the vengeance of our God. Father, we ask you, would you help us line our hearts up, Jesus, with your leadership? Lord, that in the day of your power, we would not be offended. That in the hour of great tribulation, Father, we would take heart and we would be bold and faithful witnesses to the end. Father, I ask you, this morning, Ephesians 1, you would pour out a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and that you would help us to comprehend what is the hope of uh, the glorious inheritance and in the saints, Father, unfold the mystery of God to us tonight. We want the wisdom of God, Lord. We want to be, Luke chapter 12, Jesus, you, you said to be rich in God. We want to be rich in the knowledge of God tonight. Lord, would you give us great longing for the day of your return. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter 16. The last few years of our lives, my wife and I, we led a big ministry, been to a lot of places around the world, flown a lot of flights, I've flown about, about a million miles, I'm 33, been to a lot of places, and been on a lot of platforms and stuff. And uh, you guys remember COVID? <laughs> well, I lived in Philadelphia, we really remember it. And I was sitting in my apartment one day, and I was on my balcony, and and the Lord began to speak to me a series of things. One of the things the Lord said was, Jose, you've come to a place where you only do ministry when you're on a platform with a microphone in your hand, and you're getting a check. And the Lord said, I'm grieved with you because that's not what I died for. That's what the Lord told me. And I said, well, what do I do? And and essentially the Lord said, I want you to kill your ministry. And my wife was pregnant, and I had the potential to make a lot of money in ministry at that time. And and the Lord said, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to kill your ministry. And I had this vision. In this vision, um, I saw myself digging this this deeply rooted tree, this uh, this deep in the earth, and I planted this deeply rooted tree. And the Lord said, I'm going to teach you how to make Disciples. You're gonna learn how to get your hands dirty again. As you you have done ministry professionally for so long, you don't even smell like fish anymore. He yeah, said, You're supposed to be fishers of men. Why don't you smell like fish anymore? You smell like business class and Marriott Hotels. So, and so there's a bunch of stuff, and the Lord said, No, I want you to kill it. Shut your website down, shut your social media down, and you are going to follow me. And so we did it. I I wasn't like excited, but so we did it. Literally, if I could explain 2020 to the beginning of 2021, I felt like the Lord beat the crap out of us. I'm just being honest with you. I have no other way of saying it. Like like it was like like stop or kill me. <laughs> like do something here. But it it was it was glorious death. Then in the midst of that thing, we've always been end times people. I mean, I've taught it. I led a ministry school. I started two ministry schools. But the Lord did something that absolutely just rocked our lives. And he dropped this thing. That the best way I could explain it is he dropped what I would call a Maradotha plumb line in our lives. That it began a few years before that. A few years before that, we were in Italy at a prayer conference. In Naples, Italy. And a man that I love, love, love. His name is Daniel Lim. He's the CEO of a place called the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. He's from Cambodia. And he gets up and he's like, He talks like this? I, I love him. But he said something that night that began a shockwave in my life and I's life. He said something amazing. He said, when was the last time that you prayed for Jesus to come back? I'll never forget. I mean, I am like an end times guy. I teach the end times. At that point, I taught the book of Revelation and basic eschatology twice a year. It's this, this my jam. I'm all about it, man. I'm like the weird guy. We're not going to get raptured. We're going to be here for the tribulation. Woo-hoo! You know, I'm all about it. And he said, but when was the last time you prayed? And, and it struck me. I spent all my time talking about Jesus coming back, but I didn't spend much time praying for Jesus to come back. And I went on this journey of processing this. And here's what I discovered. We actually, if push comes to shove, If we were to be honest, we don't want Jesus to come back. Because Jesus coming back would be the most ultimate inconvenience to the empires we're building for ourselves. Like we love our businesses, and we love our ministries, and we love our American lives. And Jesus coming would be the ultimate confrontation with American Christianity. And I realized that. I was like, you know, I, I, I love it. Maybe you know my kids are older and I'm up in glory and I had the great life and, you know, they can deal with it. <laughs> oh, but I'm being serious. I mean, I had to go to this place in my heart because I know what I believe about the end times. I really, you know, guys, I'm, and I'm not trying to step on theological toes, but the days ahead are not going to be maybe what some of us think. The great and terrible day of the Lord is coming. It's going to be great and terrible at the same time. But because we didn't have a proper biblical understanding of God's leadership in the end times, many are going to be offended with the leadership of Jesus in the coming days. And our hearts are going to grow confused. Because in one moment, thousands will get saved, but hundreds will be martyred. And we won't know what to do with it. And we'll waver in that great hour. That's I wrestling with this stuff. And then we had kids. That's one thing to wrestle with the return of the Lord, the great tribulation, the abomination that makes desolation, the Antichrist, when you're rocking a baby. And I'm sitting there in the nursery like processing things like, well, what if this little precious girl of mine that's going to become a massive Elvis fan. She's two, she loves Elvis. What if her high calling is to be a martyr in that day? Because that's what I teach. I believe that biblically. and But it became real. And I started rocking and I said, do I really want this? How bad do I want Jesus to come back? And friends, I'm telling you. I think one of the things, there's two things the Lord's confronting in 2020. I'll just say this. I wrestle with COVID and everything that happened. To be honest. I don't know how much of it was the enemy. Because I didn't go to Bible school, but I know this. The whole earth prayed for it to go away, and it didn't. Maybe God just wanted to shut down most of the stuff we were doing. The other thing I'm realizing, I think the Lord is about to confront or really reveal how bad we really want Jesus? Like, do you want the God that blesses the service? Or do you want that glorious, fiery man who's going to come to wage war against the empire of the Antichrist? And he's a Jewish man. Forever, forever he is going to be a Jewish man in a physical Jewish man's body. And he's going to come to a physical Jewish city called Jerusalem to rule and reign forever. That's, that is going to happen, literally. It, I mean, that is what is coming down the pipeline. There's a lot of stuff that's going to happen before that. And that's the part that I'm like, oh, I'm rocking this little baby. And I'm processing this stuff. And I've been in this place where the Lord's saying, I don't think you really want me to come back as much as you think you do. All right, so let's go to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22. Now, I love this verse. I was messing with the students earlier. This is one of those verses that will never be the verse in the day on the Bible app. <laughs> I love those verses. Like, they that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Verse of the day. <laughs> That's a Bible verse. <laughs> Don't you love the promises of God? <laughs> that is a promise of God. <laughs> like uh, Matthew 24. And many of you shall be imprisoned and put to death. That's a pr- Jesus promised that to us. Go write that one down in your mirror. You know what I'm saying? And you shall be betrayed by many in your own household. Go get that verse tattooed on your arm. It's a, Jesus, that's not even Paul. That's Jesus. <laughs> you can try to argue whatever you want. That's words in red, brother. Or if your Bible's from England, the words are in black. They don't do words in red over there. It doesn't matter we beat them in the war. But honestly, you notice know, all these verses. Like, I love that. I want to get, they that desire to live Godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution tattooed on I me. Mean, that's my life verse. <laughs> I'm going to start a business, and that's going to be the verse. So when we fail, it's like, well, it's my life verse, anyways. I'm kidding. Okay, but this is one of those verses, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. Now imagine getting your Sunday morning bulletin, and this verse is on the bulletin. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be a curse. Hey, any first time visitors. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That's why Paul did not go to mission school. But that's not the part that I want to focus on. I want to focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22b. It's a very interesting little phrase here. And it's the only time we see this in the whole New Testament, the whole Bible. It's, O Lord, comma, come. And yes, that little word, it's a Greek Aramaic words, Aramaic word, maranatha. And it is the only time in the New Testament that you see that word, maranatha. Now, here's the thing. One of the issues is when we read the Bible, we take the emotion out of the scriptures when we read it because we become, we become like too familiar. We almost read the Bible robotically. Friends, when Paul writes maranatha, It's not just, first of all, it's not a random statement. Do you understand that the early church would greet each other when they would say bye to each other, when they would dismiss, they would dismiss by saying Maranatha. Because you have to understand, well, let me read this, and I'll, I'll break something down here for you. Here's what he says, right? I want to read this to you probably the way Paul intended it for it to be read. You guys ready? If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Oh Lord, Come! That's Maranatha. It's more than a slogan. It is a plumb line. Maranatha is like an obsession. Because you understand, if you're a first century believer, nobody understands salvation to be dying and going to heaven. You show me the verse where a New Testament writer calls salvation dying and going to heaven. It's not New Testament. Salvation to the early church is the return of the Lord and the resurrection of the body. That is the biblical definition of salvation. That's what we're waiting for. I'm not waiting to die and go to heaven. I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. And if I'm dead, for my dead body to come out of a literal grave and meet the Lord in the air, to come down and get rid of the empire of the Antichrist and see Jesus' government established on the earth. That is the gospel. Friends... If all you know of the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that's an incomplete gospel. It's not not even the full thing. Friends, do you understand? The death, burial, and resurrection was to prepare a people for the return of the Lord, which is when the fullness of salvation is going to come. In other words, we haven't even tapped into the full thing yet. Do you hear me? There is more... To this Jesus thing. There was more to salvation than God blessing you and helping you fulfill your dreams. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. By the way, I don't even find that verse in the Bible. Like God's going to bless your dreams. No, you know what the Lord wants you to do? He wants you to lay down your dreams and give yourself for His dreams. Yeah. Where, like God's looking for a Psalm 2 people. And I love it, Pastor Devin quoted it. It's a glorious chapter. We are in a Psalm 2 moment where King David, 3,000 years ago, is looking at this day. And he's perplexed at what he's seeing. He says, Lord, why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth take counsel. The rulers are... It's a false global unity movement. You know what they're unifying around? To eradicate the coming leadership of Jesus. Because the spirit of the age, the Antichrist spirit... Friends, let me tell you something. What's happening in the world is not a war on democracy. Let me tell you why. Because when Jesus comes, he's going to eradicate democracy. Do you hear me? There are no civil rights in the millennial kingdom. It's Jesus' will obey or die. It's just that simple. Like Jesus is not coming to bring Donald Trump back into the White House (laughs) or Joe Biden whatever side you, because I'm telling you, in the next five years, the donkey and the elephant will betray the lamb. Yeah. And some of you will have to decide, do you want the donkey, the elephant, or the lamb? But you can't have all three, because they're, they're going to go to war with each other. There's only the lamb conquered. That's good. I forgot where I was going with all that. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> but it's not written there. What was, Lord, help me. Psalm, Psalm. Psalm 2. Yes. Gory. This is really what I'm like. I can't help it. So he's seeing this scene. And they're like, Lord, there's this global unity movement. Because they know what's coming. You are coming. And the spirit of the age is more up to date with what's happening in the body of Christ. Do you understand that? We have, this is we, we, don't, we don't know how to discern what's happening in the nations. They're shaking Because the way they know that the great hour of our God is coming and the earth is shaking. So nations that never had anything to do with each other, all of a sudden are best friends. Because as long as they can keep that man from this earth, they'll unify. And they're coming together to eradicate. Is that an eradication? That's what I'm saying. Is that an eradication of democracy? Is that an eradication of human rights? It's an eradication of a coming kingdom that is coming with fight a man with fiery eyes and he's coming on a warpath. Friends, do you understand that Jesus is not coming as a pacifist? He is going to kill a lot of people. Now we're going to get to that verse in a little bit. It's amazing. Do you understand that 10 different countries are going to unify with the Antichrist? It will be the largest Military and history is going to kill all of them. This is your sweet little Jesus. And in fact, there's so much bloodshed, the Bible says that the blood goes up to the horse's bridles. I've never seen that much blood before. You will see that much blood. You'll have a resurrected body. You'll be singing about it and prophesying, and he'll be killing people. And we'll be blown away how beautiful he is. You're so beautiful. Who, how, how, nobody kills more accidentally than you do. We'll be blown away by this man. Like, literally, we thought the Muslims had it. You're way better at execution. We're like, nobody with one sword, you took out a whole army. Who is like him? And we'll be singing harp songs. <laughs> we'll get into, but, but no, it's actually pretty glorious. We'll get into that. the Jews in the, in the, in, in the desert. <laughs> I get so stirred when I think about the Lord's return. But the point that I'm making so they're looking at this, and David's looking at this 3,000 years ago, and he's trying to understand what's happening. And the Lord says that, verse 4, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Yeah, right. Most of us are worked up about things that God's like, what? Seriously? You're freaked out about who's in the White House? I'm about to do away with that little thing. God forbid, and no, no, i just touch your golden calf. Can I step on your toe a little bit? I'm flying back to Philly, baby. As long as you can produce a team that can beat us, you can say something, but you can't, because we beat you. Remember the Titans? I forget what I was going to say. I was going to really step on your toes. The White House. But it was better. Golden Calf. I forgot. All right. Never mind. It's going to do away with something that you love. But... And it's going to offend you, but I forgot it. Okay, let's keep going. (laughs) So, one of the things is, one of my fears is that the end times is going to become just another slogan, just another catchphrase, just another thing that we talk about, and we will lose the sobriety and the urgency of the Lord's return. It's one of my fears. Like I literally have like trembling before the Lord because I'm seeing how hip and popular it is to sing about Jesus' return. Wow. Wow. And, 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 I, and, I, and I, here's what blows me away. I want you to hear me. There's so many people singing and talking about it they have no clue what they're singing and talking about. And what will happen is, see, we lose the wonder of it, we lose the urgency of it, we lose the sobriety of it, we just talk about it, we talk about it, and we sing about it, and we sing about it. And then when it happens, we actually don't know what we were singing or talking about, and then it happens and we become offended with Jesus. Oh, I remember what I was going to tell you. It just hit me when I said that. I believe God's going to send a revival to America. But I don't believe it's going to be a revival of America. I think we have mistaken God sending a great revival to revive and harvest people to God saving and maintaining our comfortable American lives. Friends, if we, I want you, I love this country. My family is from Cuba. I would rather be here. I love McDonald's. I love this stuff, but I want you to hear me. If you don't settle in your heart to lay down the God called comfort, you're going to be offended in the day that's coming. There is a great revival coming, but He's not going to revive everything you love. He's going to revive people. And there's going to come great pressure and great perplexity, and there will be great glory in the midst of pressure. This is why it's important that this thing can't just become another catchphrase and another slogan and another thing that we make t-shirts about, and I love the t-shirts and I got the Maranatha hat. I mean, I love that stuff. But if we are not careful, we will lose the life of the very thing that God is doing on the earth right now. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Are you guys good? Yes, sir. I don't know what time I started and I don't know what time I'm ending. Are we good though? Yes, sir. I don't have a flight till 5.30. We're talking about the most glorious thing on the planet. He's coming. Because we're going to see him with our human eyes. Yeah. Who wants that? You hear me? Right? That's what Peter's talking about. We are filled with joy and expressible, full of glory. Because we know we're going to see him with physical human eyes. It's Matthew chapter 9. See, one of the things I believe God wants to do to this generation is to absolutely wound you and disillusion you. Wow. I want you to hear me. The greatest blessing God could do is not multiply your bank account. It's to disillusion you. I want, I'm desperate. I mean, honestly, I am desperate for disillusionment. I want God to wound me. I want to live like a wounded one, longing, like a lovesick one. You know what it's like to be lovesick? Like infected. Like when love becomes a disease, it's like you're next to the person, but you're trying to figure out a way to It's like violence. Have you ever experienced violence? Like a violent, violent longing for a man? Like it's like, I'm not talking about excitement. I'm talking about violence. Like it's like this, like your energy, it's like your organs begin to tremble with longing for this glorious day of this beautiful man. I'm not talking about excitement. I mean, I'm sick of being excited. I want love sickness. Jesus wants to give you love sickness. He's a beautiful, glorious man with eyes of fire. Have you seen him before? I don't want the God of the conference. I'm t- I'm sick. Of the God of the revival meeting. I want the God of the chamber. Because it's Matthew chapter 9. It's one of the most misused passages of the Bible. Verse 14. Then the disciples of John came, John the Baptist, came to him, Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? For your disciples do not fast glorious little passage. Verse 15, and Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom oh, just put pause and underline that little phrase. Are you a friend of the bridegroom? I want to be a friend of the bridegroom. Yes, sir. I want to love what he It's like John the Baptist, he says the, the friends of the bridegroom rejoice when the bride hears his voice. Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn? Say mourn. Mourn. God wants to give you mourning. I know it's not the typical thing we say in charismatic churches, but oh well. Blessed are those that mourn. But here, just go with me on this, okay? I want you to go with me on this little journey. Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? And then he says, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them... And then they will fast. Or, and then they will mourn. He says, you don't get it. I am about to flip. I am about to change the way humanity relates to God. about to change the whole paradigm. He says, they can't mourn, I'm here. But I'm going to be taken from them. And for the first time ever, the way that people will relate to me is they will miss me. They are, they're going to live with mourning and longing. says the friends of the bridegroom, how can they fast? I'm here. The days are coming. I'm going to be taken away. They will fast. Do you understand the purpose of New Testament fasting is infused with the Maranatha heart cry. I'm not fasting so God can bless me. I'm fasting because I'm saying, I I can't live without you. Like I want you. You have to come. Come, Jesus. Oh, the you would rend the heavens and come. Oh, the you would rend the heavens and come. Oh, the you would rend the heavens and come. Come, Jesus. That is New Testament fasting, friends. Do you mourn the fact That he's there and we're here. Do you even care about the fact that he's there and I get it, the Spirit's in us. But there's something glorious about God and man in physical human bodies dwelling together for eternity in glorious harmony. Do you understand that the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to remind you that this ain't it? That's the purpose. It's called a down payment because there's something better coming. It's called Jesus. And he's coming in a human body to the physical, literal earth. I would say this, the chief ministry of the Holy Spirit is to cause you to mourn the fact that he's there and we're here. Have we shut ourselves off to the full voice of the Holy Spirit? I'm trying to practice this. I had to go to the Eagles game and got blessed with tickets down by the field. I'm like a drag to be around. <laughs> Everyone's cheering. I stopped for a minute. And I said, Lord, who cares? It's just so stupid. Like, it's so, it, it, it's not even real. And I, I just God, give me, give me longing right here in the middle of this stadium. Just, I want to mourn, Come, Jesus. Come Jesus. I, I'm a little bit of a drag to be around. I get it. But I, I, like, I'm just, I'm done. I mean, I mean, honestly, like, I want to. I want this. Can the friends of the I want to be a friend of the bridegroom. You want to know how you're a friend of the bridegroom? You mourn. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. you know what the comfort is? His return. You want to know why he hasn't come? Because there isn't a mourning people on the earth. Do you want to know why there isn't a mourning people on the earth? Because you love your life too much. Your life's too comfortable. It's too easy. Good news. He's about to make you really uncomfortable. Why would God make me go through a great tribulation? Because he loves you. And he's not going to leave you a little apathetic, distracted American Christian. He's going to give you the greatest gift he can give you. It's called hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, so the greatest thing God could do is not fill you, but give you hunger. The greatest thing God could do is wound you and disillusion you. There's something about being a people that are so disillusioned. Like, like, again, I'm a, I'm a real drag to be around, and I get it. But like the like, things that I used to get excited about, I'm like, eh. I don't want, I don't want it to excite me anymore. keep reading. Let's go down to the last part. We have used this verse like every which way but the way Jesus intended in Matthew 9. Let's go to this. Nor do they put new wine, verse 17, into old wineskins. Or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine it's to new wineskins, and both are preserved. The new one and the new wineskin has nothing to do with the latest conference. The context, do you know what the new wineskin is? A mourning and fasting church longing for the return of the Lord. Friends, the, the, there is going to come, before the Lord returns, the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit in human history. I want you to hear me. I believe this. I'm like incredibly hopeful. We are going to see in one generation the greatest harvest in human history. Bob Jones prophesied to Mike Bickle. The Lord told him it was a billion soul harvest. Could you imagine in one generation a billion people getting saved? It will be the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit in human history. It's not going to happen at a conference. And it's not going to happen in a stadium. It's not going to happen because a preacher came into town. It's the global body of Christ. Everything you've held on to, every little false god, every false comfort is going to be stripped away. And all you are going to have left is Maranatha. Oh, Lord, come. Maranatha. Oh, Lord, come. Maranatha. Oh, Lord, come. And that is the wineskin. The last day's wineskin is, oh, Lord, come. Do you know that every biblical mention, go look it up, When Jesus says, or the Lord says, behold, I do a new thing, 10 out of 10 times is about the Lord's return. Every single time the Bible says God's going to do a new thing, he immediately goes into a prophecy that has to do with Jesus' second coming. Every single mention in the Bible, I've taught on worship for years, of the new song has nothing to do with singing a random song that makes everybody excited. 10 out of 10 times, The song is about the return of the Lord. Because that Jesus' second coming is the new thing. That is. You want to know what God is doing? I'm coming. You want to know what the Lord is saying? I am coming. Are you ready? Do you care? Will you be offended in that day? Will you make yourself ready? Will you get your house ready? Will you be a trumpet? Will you be a voice? Will you prepare the way of the Lord? Can we go a little bit longer? One person said yes. Are you guys good? Let's go to Joel chapter 2. We're going to look at a few more passages and then we're going to pray. Joel 2. One of the things that I believe the Lord is doing as he's raising up end time messengers. People whose primary calling is going to be to be trumpets preparing a generation for the return of the Lord. Let me tell you a little encounter that I had. I was at the mall getting my watch. I really don't like going to the mall, but I went. And I saw, you know, all the Gen Z kids. Now, I'm not Gen Z. I'm 33. I don't know what I am. I'm weird. I was a punk rocker, and I got into metal. That's about it. I saw saw all the Gen Z kids, and I'm complaining in my heart. I'm like, Lord, I can't stand how they dress. Like, what are these, like, stupid marshmallow shoes? And everyone's on the phone. (laughs) God was just like. What is this? And they have Nirvana shirts. I don't even know who Nirvana is. Thank you. I was frustrates Like one little 15-year-old girl had a Kiss t-shirt. Now, my wife got mad and I'd be like, name five other albums. And they like, I'm like, creepy, weird guy, you know. I'm like, and you need to get saved anyways. You shouldn't be listening to that. But I was so frustrated. Like, really, I was like, man, everybody's on their phone. If you're going to date someone, put your phone away. Honestly. Seriously, and turn 5G off. It's going to give you cancer. <laughs> for real, like, don't sleep with that thing, man. And then you want God, to, it's, like, it's like eating McDonald's every day. You want the Lord to heal your back pain. Just stop eating McDonald's. Okay. Joel 2. No, let me tell you this encounter that I had. So I'm complaining in my heart, and the Lord says, Well, when was the last time you prayed for them? I said, Never. And the Lord said, What? He goes, well, what if you did? What if you prayed for them? And then he said, what if you fathered them? And he said, what if they're the generation of my return and you gave the rest of your life to make them ready? I would just stop me right there, dead on my tracks. Friends, I believe they're they're the Gen Z. I'm going to tell you what I believe. Gen Z is called Gen Z because they're the last generation. And the generation after them is Generation Alpha because they're the generation of the millennial kingdom. Friends, I'm telling you, if you the weird mothering and fathering in the last days is gonna have to look a lot different. For some of us, it's gonna have to actually be preparing people to be martyred. It's gonna be preparing people for the great harvest. It's gonna be preparing people to stand as bold witnesses of Jesus in the darkest hour of human history. The Lord's raising up people that'll give themselves to be end time messengers, end times trumpets. And they're going to blow Joel's trumpet. Joel chapter 2 verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. Why? Because we're going to have a massive uh, conference. We're going to get, no, 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 no. This, he's not blowing a trumpet because your favorite preacher is coming. He says, for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand. God is raising up a Joel's trumpet company whose primary message is he's coming. Get ready. He's coming. Get ready. And they will give themselves with unbridled, effect, with holy affection to eat the scroll like Jeremiah and John and Ezekiel. They will read the word and they will have language. I'm going to go to another verse in a minute, but let's keep reading Joel. For the day of the Lord is at hand, verse 2 a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountain. Oh, well, that sounds exciting! Can we keep going? Let's go to Joel chapter 3. We'll start at verse 12. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Verse 13. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come go down. Beginning of verse 13, great harvest second part of verse 13 for the wine press is full the vats overflow for their wickedness is great great harvest, great judgment happening at the same time and people are going to look at this and they're, gonna, they're not going to know how to process reality and what's happening in front of them friends could you imagine one day you lead 500 people to the Lord because there's great desperation the antichrist is in power He's established the beast system. Anybody that doesn't worship, he executes. People are coming to Jesus pretty quickly. But in the same token, and Jesus talked about this in Matthew 24, your Sunday school teacher, out of fear, betrays you and turns you in, and now you're in prison. This is reality. This is Jesus. Go read Matthew 24. It's his greatest teaching on the end times. Some of our very leaders... Some of the very ones that led us to the Lord will be the very ones that betray us in that day. Friends, mothering and fathering that generation is going to look very different. How to not be overcome with offense. How to not be disheartened when your favorite pastor, you bought all of his books and you listen to his podcast, buys into the Antichrist and leads thousands astray in the great falling away. And to have depth in God, to have real history, to so know, friends, John 10, my sheep know my voice will be, never will that chapter be more relevant than in that day. You better know his voice in the great hour of deception, in the darkest hour of the great apostasy, of the great falling away. If you don't know the voice of the shepherd, you will be led into great, de- uh, into great uh, deception. Look at this, verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of, of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And people are, the spirit of confusion is poured out and they won't know what to do. And many leaders in the body of Christ are not equipped and won't have answers in that day. Go with me real quick, Daniel chapter 11. You guys good? Daniel chapter 11. One of the things the Lord promises He's just going to raise up what Daniel calls people of understanding. There's going to come a generation so filled with the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. And they're going to give themselves to eat the scroll. To understand the day of the Lord. To understand what the word of God says about the return of the Lord. Look at what Daniel promises. Daniel 11. We're going to start at verse 33. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Who wants to be one of those people? A person of understanding. Raise your hand high. Okay, let me tell you what else happens to them. (laughs) Keep your hand up again to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to be a person of understanding. Uh, Not as many raise their hands. (laughs) All right, so many of understanding. Oh, here it is. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. The very people with the most understanding will be the ones most willing to lay their lives down. Because they understand what's happening. Let's keep reading, can we? Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help. Oh, look at this glorious verse. But many shall join with them by intrigue. Do you understand what he's saying? Leaders People that have, they've not, wait, don't waste your time on Netflix. Don't, I mean, I'm telling you, what did you do during COVID? Did you binge watch Netflix or did you eat the scroll? What did you do? God gave you time off. Did you eat the word? Or did you watch your family? I mean, don't waste your time. You'll have understanding. That day will come. And because of understanding, you will lay your life down. And multitudes will watch you lay your life down. And by, by intrigue. They'll give multitudes, will give themselves to Jesus because of your laying down life. This is what's coming. Verse 35. And some of them of understanding shall fall. This is crazy. Look at this. Shall fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end because it is still for the appointed time. That the Lord will raise up people with such wisdom and such revelation. And such understanding that they will lay their lives down and their death God will use to purify multitudes around the world to give them the courage to stand to the end. I want to be one of those guys. I don't care about having a great social media following. I don't want to be intriguing. I want to have a voice that matters in the earth. And I don't want a little temporary voice that's cool. I want on the great day of the Lord, in the day of his power, in the day of the vengeance of our God, I want to be one who has made himself ready. I want to go buy oil so in that day I can be one of understanding to instruct many. Can the keyboard player come up, please? One of the things Jesus said. One of the things Jesus said about his, the return of the Lord, Matthew 24, he, he said, it's a profound little statement. He said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be as in the coming of the days of the Son of Man. So right up until Noah got in the boat, they were eating Drinking and having conferences and doing their thing and building their ministries and building their budgets, and they missed it. Jesus isn't in Matthew 24 talking about lost people, he's talking to believers. There are people, there are believers in the body of Christ that are so caught up in their own lives. They have no clue what's coming. And when it comes, they'll be so caught off guard. They will aff- they'll be so offended that they will betray the Lord. One of my dear friends had a dream. In the dream, he's a youth pastor. He really is a youth pastor. But in the dream, one of his youth, a kid named Noah, a real kid, shows up to his house. And my friend, he's a neat freak. He doesn't like people wearing shoes in his house. Noah shows up and he has his shoes on. My friend says, Noah, you can't wear shoes in here. You got to take your shoes off, buddy. And Noah doesn't take his shoes off. You stand to your feet tonight. Noah doesn't take his shoes off. So my friend gets a little frustrated with Noah. He says, Noah, you can't wear shoes in my house, man. You got to take your shoes off. And Noah doesn't respond. So he gets a little more vocal. He says, Noah, Take your shoes off. You're not supposed to wear shoes in here. And then he gets in Noah's face and he says, and what are you doing here? We weren't ready for you. And he wakes up from the dream. And the Lord speaks to him and the Lord says, Noah represents the days of Noah. And my times and seasons are no respecter of persons. Whether you're ready or not, the days of Noah are coming. Beloved, I want to tell you something. We are Within years, I believe, of the great day of the Lord, the great hour of his coming. God's about to redefine our understanding of revival. Do you know what revival is? Can I tell you this? I just, I forgot this. This is my favorite part. Do you know what revival is? It's Jesus coming back. It's not long church services. Revival is when he comes. Let me paint a little picture for you. Can I do that? Antichrist is in power. He's been in there for three and a half years. How do I know that? Because the Bible says it like five times. The Bible means what it says and it says what it means. Three and a half years, he's been raging with violence on the earth. He's got a ten nation federation. Many of our loved ones have been put in prison or martyred. And he has Release the greatest terror on the Jewish people in human history. It will eclipse anything Hitler did. And all over the Middle East, he puts Jewish people in prison camps. The prophet Jeremiah calls it the day of Jacob's trouble that's coming. And he understands why does he do that? Why is he going after Jewish people? Because Jesus cannot return until Jewish leaders in Jerusalem welcome him into the city. Why we pray for Israel and so they terror three and a half years and we're and we're living underground and in darkness and we're waiting and all of a sudden a glorious trumpet sounds and the earth begins to shake and dead bodies begin to come out of graves and we're watching this happen and the Lord appears in the heavens and the heavens open up like a scroll and Jesus is on a cloud and dead bodies have The the, the great ones in the Lord begin to come out. Men like Abraham and Paul. The the little old lady that prayed for you. You never knew about her. And they begin to come out. And then Jesus goes on a global uh, parade around the earth. And as you seek Him, you get caught up with the Lord. And immediately you have a glorified body. And everybody that was dead has a resurrected body. And billions of believers from Adam to the last one are in a glorious parade. And you know where we land? jordan isaiah 63 who is this coming from basra coming from edom with robes stained in red why does he land in jordan because he's the greater joshua and he's about to lead the people across the jordan river one last time you know who's in that company a man who's buried on the other side of the Jordan River named Moshe, Moses. And we're going to see Moses come out of his grave. And Jesus will lead resurrected Moses across the river Jordan into the promised land for the first time in history. And we'll watch it. And we're blown away. And do you understand? You have a glorified body. Every single sense. You have Parts of your brain that don't even function yet, they will function in that day. There are colors that don't exist. You'll see them in that day. Sounds you've never heard because the human ear can't hear them. You will hear them in that day. And the fullness of the mystery of the glorious revelation of the Godhead that dwells in a Jewish man named Jesus, the fullness of that revelation will be revealed to you in that day and you will have the capability to process it faculties and senses that you never knew you had and every little thing he does you're in awe and we're blown away and we can't believe the level of wisdom and power and beauty and glory and as we march the prophet Daniel says 30 days from Jordan to Jerusalem making war against the Antichrist by the time he gets to Jerusalem his white robes and Isaiah 63 are stained in red from the blood of his enemies Oh, well, my favorite part all over the middle east jewish people are in prison camps and they're begging god save us god save us god save us and all of a sudden a jewish man walks into the prison camp and he begins to liberate jewish people and in that moment romans nine eleven right or romans 11 all of israel shall be said god begins to open the eyes Of the Jewish people. And the scales fall off. And for the first time in 2,000 years they recognize him. And they're like, it's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It was you all along. You're the Messiah. And all over the earth Jewish people are coming to the Lord. And they're seeing him. And Jesus is being reconciled to his brothers. And this is happening for 30 days. And we're watching this. Imagine this. And you're watching this take place. And your heart is breaking. There's this vibration of love, of revelation, because you have a glorified body. And you're like, we didn't know you were that patient. We didn't know you were that humble. We didn't know you were that kind. We didn't know you were that that glorious. We didn't know long-suffering like that. We didn't know the depths of the mystery of the battle plan of God. We didn't know you would keep your word to Abraham. Who is like the Lamb? Who is like him? Faithful from generation to generation to generation and billions of believers busting out in song in laudation of the glorious leadership of one man who knew all along what he would do for 2,000 years at the right hand of the Father ever living to make intercession. Heartbroken over thousands, millions, of Jews that have hardened their hearts towards Jesus, but in one moment He comes and flips the whole script, and we're watching this, and we're singing about it, and we're looking at each other, and we're saying, "Did you know He was that wise? I didn't know. I mean, I had an idea. I didn't know. Did you know He was that kind? I didn't know. Did you know He was that patient? Two thousand years He's been patient. I didn't know. I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't know You were that patient." You would you'd long suffer. I didn't know it. Lord, forgive us. And all of our mind, and we're feeling all the emotions. And it's not just, it's the individual emotion, the global corporate body of Christ from the beginning of history to that moment. All of it is shared. And we're, it's like this explosion of love and the glorious reality of this one man, Jesus. Oh, beloved. And then he gets to Jerusalem. And we're in anticipation. Singers and musicians led by the greatest worship leader in history, King David. And here's the man, David, who longed to see this day. And Moses and Abraham and Paul. And they're watching as the Lord Jesus goes up the Mount of Olives. And his foot steps and that mountain begins to shake and it opens. And the walls of Jerusalem come crumbling down. And out come running the Jewish leaders that have been trapped in Jerusalem for three and a half years. And they look at him and they say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Save us, O son of David. Save us, O son of David. And Jesus will march up the eastern, the Mount Zion, up the eastern gate into the glorious city of Jerusalem where he will take the Antichrist and the false prophet and cast him into to the lake of fire and he will sit on a literal physical throne of his father David and rule over the earth for a thousand years with his saints beloved that is revival and revival is coming do you want it? Lord would you forgive us this evening Accepting a lesser form of Christianity. God forgive me. I want the real thing, Jesus. You are the real thing. I want you to come back. Please come back, Jesus. Come on, if you want that tonight if you want God to mark you with Maranatha, if you want God to give you that Matthew 9 morning, I want you to come down tonight and let's begin to ask God to wound us. God wound us tonight, Lord. I don't care about a bigger bank account. Lord, just come. Oh, you that you would run the heavens and come. Come, on, come down tonight if you want that. If you want, God to, if you want God to wound you. You want to feel that woundedness of longing, of love. For the man Jesus, this beautiful Jewish man, Lord, come, come on, just let the Lord touch your heart tonight. Come, let the Lord touch you. So, Lord, we say, Lord, would you mark us tonight with Maranatha? Would you mark us tonight with Maranatha, God? Would you give us that Maranatha cry? Father, would you release love sickness tonight? Though I sleep, my heart is awake. Have you seen my beloved? Have you seen my beloved? Father, would you release tonight that song of Solomon anointing, that longing for the bridegroom, that longing for the beloved? Father, would you wound us tonight? Father, would you raise up a wounded company in Chattanooga, Tennessee? A new wine skin people friends of the bridegroom who mourn and long for the day of your coming come on let God break you tonight just let the Lord break you we're just going to have the panel lead us for a little bit come come on come Jesus Come on, let Him mark you. God, we want more than this little life. We want You to come, Jesus. Come, oh come, come, Jesus, come, come. Set Your kingdom on the earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, just begin to cry out to Him tonight. Jesus. Come. Oh Lord, come. Oh, Lord, come. We want the real thing, Jesus. We want the real thing, Jesus. We want all of it, all of it, the full story. We want it all, Jesus. When we say whatever the price, whatever the cost, we say yes. We want to be a Maranatha people. Come on, just let the Lord wound you tonight. Let the Lord disillusion you tonight. Lord, would you raise up out of this house, Daniel eleven thirty three, people of understanding to instruct many in the days ahead. Come on, ask him, Lord, I want to be one of understanding. I want to be an end time messenger. I want to carry Joel's trumpet in my mouth. Blow the trumpet in Zion. The day of the Lord is coming. Are you ready? Come on, ask him, say, God, mark me tonight. Stay in this place, stay in this place. Let him break you tonight. The Lord will wound you, he'll break you tonight. Come on. Come on, break us. Break us tonight, Jesus. Maranatha! Maranatha! Oh Lord, come! Don't just come to our meeting. We say, come back, Jesus. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Give us mourning. Come on. Come on. I'm just saying this for a few more moments. Let God do whatever it is He's doing inside of you. For the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and His Christ. Lord, we long for that day, Jesus. Stay in this place. Stay in this Maranatha place tonight. Come on. Come on let the Lord break us tonight. I stay in this more minutes. Let God wound you tonight. Let him mark you tonight. Oh, we want to be marked. Give us Joel's trumpet. Father, would you release? I just, I've not released that Joel's trumpet word before, but I believe God wants to release Joel's trumpet to redemption. I just feel this. God's about to give. I sit it's like a megaphone. Joel's trumpet is being released to redemption to sound the alarm to the most churched city, but the most dead city. God's about to bring resurrection and that resurrection is prepared. The way of the Lord is coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Release that Joel's trumpet. Joel's army raced up out of this place. He's not a baby in a major anymore. He's
1: not a broken man on a cross. He didn't stay in the grave. He's not staying in heaven
0: forever Do it in this place and Father raise up anti messengers Joel's trumpet He didn't stay
1: in the grave He's not staying in heaven
0: forever He's not Will you be a messenger? Will, a you a be messenger? A Will you be a messenger? Will you prepare the way of the Lord? In the Come on He's not Father do it in this house forever. tonight
1: Grave. He's the same. Just wait before we go all in. in just
0: stay in this for a second. I just Pastor, Pastor Kevin, I just this is what I feel. It's like this apostolic thing that's coming, and you know it. But I feel like it's connected to the return of the Lord and Joel's trumpet. And I feel like I said like I see you pasting outside of your house and your yard, and there's this like Lord what are we doing? What am I doing? And I see it's like this megaphone, it's Joel's trumpet. And I feel like, it's like the the apostolic thing is coming, but it's related to the return of the Lord and that message. And as you do it, it's like dead churches and dead pastors in the city are gonna begin to resurrect in this place. and, and, And many are gonna be offended with you and many are going to be disheartened with the message and it's like you're going to be like one whose face is set like flint to the day of the Lord but when you begin to speak and trumpet that message like many leaders who would, I've even seen like, that fall into adultery and were discouraged are going to be resurrected in this city because Joel, I've never released this word anywhere God is giving this church Joel's trumpet for this hour of history come on, let's begin to jump into that again come on, let's sing that out to the Lord he's not a baby was begin to cry out he's not a broken man on a
1: cross he didn't stay in the grave he's not staying in heaven forever do it Lord. he's not a baby and a major anymore he's not a broken man on a cross he didn't stay
0: in the grave he's not staying in heaven forever right, just one more thing sorry i just got one more thing and there's like a group of leaders in the city that have rallied against you and I feel like the Lord's going to stop it. I just feel that for you. The Lord's going to stop it. All right, now now do it again. Go back in. He's not a baby in a manger
1: anymore. He's not a broken man on a cross. Come on, Lord. He didn't stay
0: sing in it the out.
1: grave. He's not staying
0: in heaven forever. Call us, we prophesy tonight. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. Call are sing it out with understanding. He's not a broken man with revelation he didn't stay
1: in the grave. he's not saying but yeah. oh i can hear the rhythm of the lion of the tribe come on begin a to prophesy
0: tonight over chattanooga I can hear the rhythm of the lion of They're the he's begin a prophesy over Judah. Israel and the and jewish I people hear the of the of the come on, prophesy of Judah. tonight prophesy and over this nation
1: Come on! And I Hi. can hear the rhythm of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Prophesy tonight. And I can hear the rhythm of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I can hear the rhythm of the
0: lion of the tribe of Judah. Come on! Judah, Judah. I can hear the rhythm. People get of ready. Lion of the Sing it out of to the Lord tonight. Judah. Prophesy Jesus is coming Prophesy tonight People get ready He's coming Jesus He's coming. coming He's coming People get ready Come